Shall I take your order, or do you need a minute? Ah, yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Doctor Podcast. Appreciate y'all being here. Don't forget to support people. Support us. And uh, do check out Doctor.TV. You get that streaming show. And also .com where you can see the uh, things like After Dark and um, sign up there. If you get information, anything you want to send me at contact.com. My wife pours over that stuff. You guys all get to see it if it's uh, of note. Speaking of note, the guest today, Gavin Rossdale, he's been uh, a figure, a public figure in most of our lives, I would say. I think I speak on behalf of everybody my age and younger. I, I think Rab has been around uh, somebody we all look up to, we listen to, we've been attached to one way or another. Uh, obviously, I was at Love Light over at uh, on a rock radio station forever, and Gavin would swing by every so often over many, many years, I'm sorry to say. Uh, and right now, he is on tour and is the North American tour. Uh, he's going to speak to us from North Carolina, where he's on tour, and his new greatest, the Bush Greatest Hits album is out, Loaded, Bush Greatest Hits. Do check that out as soon as possible. I'm sure you will not be disappointed. Gavin, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. How are you? It's good to see you. It's been a minute. Why is this? Why is sorry? It's been something. Why am I sorry? Because I'm sorry. It's been somebody like I'm. I'm sorry because I, I'm sorry because I'm older and I don't like that. And I'm sorry because we, it seems like we touch base only every decade and a half, and that's that's right. inadequate. Also, uh, um, if you know this, uh, your sons. How are your sons, by the way? Uh, you know, amazing. All different islands to themselves and incredible really. that's, that's what's fun right uh but their uncle lives i can practically see his house from my window he okay right around the corner from us here in pasadena right 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 oh that uncle okay that uncle. <laughs> um okay well, that's a really nice that's a lovely spot actually because i often go to uh access pasadena because my dog's cardiologist is up there as you oh, know fantastic and uh, <laughs> no i drive Past, I drive past the exit and think fondly of my um, of my ex brother in law. He's, he's, he's a very sweet man. He's a very sweet guy, and uh, I've said hi to him a few times when I'm running by there. And he's you know like a truly a lovely person, and Absolutely. he's busily busy with his garden. Man, that guy works outside all the time. <laughs> and uh, he used to come by and play the accordion. Or that cuts my hair on Halloween, I think she said he'd come by and he stops. So if you talk to him, tell him they miss him over there at the salon. He's just stop by. Yeah, it's been, it's been a minute, but um, I think that he's always ready with that accordion to unleash music. <laughs> it's hysterical. All right, so your kids are good. You're on the North American tour. How, how has it been seeing uh, the United States? Is it the North America? In this post-COVID world, have you any any insights, any observations as you? Uh... The observations that I have completed is run through everyone that I know. That I think that people, um, 
it is two sides of the coin, right? So if you if you if you try to run things, you know, people want to work less hard. And if you if you on the flip side, if you work things, you re, you know the pandemic seemed to show everyone that maybe life didn't need to take as much effort as that. And so there's a there's a disconnect um, of that side of it. The other thing that strikes me, you know, sort of you know, running a different business or the clothing thing. I have Sea of Sound, just seeing people um, more, you know, sensitive. It's just, just everyone wants to be, it's just sort of kid, kid gloves, you know, I have friends with restaurants and they tell me that um, people that used to work or the culture was to work longer hours with a different goal in mind or singular mindset, probably more career oriented. And what's interesting is how people have just, um, you know, let go of that some. And so you notice that when you're working collaboratively with people, you can't push too hard and huh. you can't uh, language a different. So, I mean, I think that's a more interesting observation than any particular, you know, that's the thing that strikes me the most. Um, and it's something that you just have to go with. You can't fight it and expect um, a different mindset. So it's an interesting adjustment, I find. That is, that is interesting, and it's something I've I've been hearing about a little bit. And uh, you know, we it's easy to look at these changes and go, "Oh my God, they're not willing to work so hard." It's like, "Well, wait a minute, wait a minute." Um, yes, uh, and we might lose something for some people, and then you might gain something for other people. It's new. I mean, I mean, it's nuanced, and you can't. I don't mean it across the board. No, I get you, but it, but when I was saying, but people have definitely the combination of them. Of a, of a really a valuable time um, of what I mean, it's like everything, isn't it? So the culture goes a bit too far. Yes, exactly. Itself. So yeah. in, a, in a world that was effectively, to some extent, start, silenced, and then we move into the woke world where, you know, and where languages, you have to be very careful, it's treacherous. Yeah. <laughs> what you say is treacherous. And so it'd be nice to sort of settle back into that so everyone just treats each other respectfully and uh with kindness and compassion but aren't sort of you know forever worried about the minefields and that just goes through into uh the concept of, of the work ethic. i don't know why i chose that to answer it because i think you were no i i i like it yeah i bet they are and and they're they're so hungry to go out and be out in the world well, you know, I think there was another interesting point for me is that, um, you, you know, if you look at the role of music and the role of, of, of art in people's lives, um, if you take the concept of, of Greek tragedy being sort of based on the, the concept that it was performed a lot for the people and, and everyone needed to see it in order to yeah. know that they alone in their suffering. And that's why tragedies were so uh, important to culture. Um, and uh, so in a time of this in incredible conflict uh, that's basically dividing people, dividing the world, you know, yeah. uh, uh, I think that when people can come together and they, they have a shared common interest of this band did something for me in some capacity, it's all different reasons but and different songs but they've been touched in some way in a positive way and so when they come to a show i think it's uh um i haven't really said too much about it i just say what a you know what turmoil because 
most people, regular people, just want people to the conflict to be over. I think it's just horrific. Really, and the people, you know, going back, rolling back the years, and, and trying to find and say, just we just decent people just want it to be over. There's got to be some kind of compromise. We all live in compromise. So, it, what I do think is beautiful thing is to be in an environment in a setting where people are just everybody accepts we're in this together. There's no disconnects there's no anger no animosity everyone's faced towards the stage and the their energy is directly filtered into the band back it's the audience and you have i keep trying to make it as sort of uh, uplifting as possible you know I, you know as you said i've been doing it for years so i got to try and do the job well and i think that it's the most beautiful thing to see uh this cute you know tribe it's a tribal thing and it's quite sad. The last song when you've got the sort of certain people of the tribe that want to make their cars in time, you know. So the other ones, other members of the tribe are like, forget, you know, this is tonight and I'm living this long right to the end. You know, so it's just great to be around that. Um, and I think that it's not just post-COVID, it's it's during this terrible global conflict. Yes. And 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 you're you know, you're you're referencing some of the well multiple wars that are underway and but I, even, even without the wars people are in sort of this weird global conflict with each other and that and i've heard more and more of the word kindness come out of people's mouth and that that dropped from your lips just immediately and i'm starting to have conversations with people about exactly what you're talking about that people just want to kind of there's a big middle ground here of people who, who just right. want to raise their family get on get, get their living going and sort of be left alone as much as anything let, let alone. right because because life has its challenges nonetheless irrespective yeah. of world issues and so people have, have enough to deal with um but you know it's these times that galvanize people it's interesting because with you you know you've been a stalwart of ever since we met i mean it must be let me ask you this question it yeah. must be you to see how the world has progressed and gotten better in the context of uh mental health discussions because you've yeah. always been You've based your whole life, as I've seen uh, on radio, on people's feelings, um, behaviors, um, and basically a way to how do people fit better into the world. And uh, so good for you always doing that. So it must be, you know, I think it's, I found that really interesting. It, it, it is like everything. Like everything, it's better in some respects uh, and then worse in others. And so... Yes, there's been progress, uh, you know, acceptance of mutual aid societies and 12-step, acceptance of understanding of addiction as a disease, acceptance of just the notion that brain dis- that brains have conditions just like every other organ has conditions, and we shouldn't treat them any differently, though we still do. But the fact that we even contemplate there's a difference between a pancreas and a brain in terms of people n- needing help with something is just really bizarre to me. Uh, we still do a little bit of that. The only organ, the only organ that you prescribe heavy medication without seeing any kind of scans or any pictures, it's like guesswork for psychiatrists. They're guessing. And the same conditions can be different reasons for people within their brain structures. So you get one person who could have a psychotic episode as the result of these strong drugs. Yeah. I mean, I get your point that it's like, um, like the world is terrible. And you know more suicides never. Yeah, you know, all these statistics that are horrific. But my only point yeah. is that, that it's being discussed. It's, it's yeah, big, yeah. Big I agree. Big. And there is a, there is a way. There is a sort of a recourse for people that maybe when we you know first met, 
it wasn't as easy for people to open up. It still no. isn't. But, but uh, you know, I'm just saying good for you because you've always represented someone. Great guy. Talk about guy. those essential elements of the of people's ability to coexist. You know, very very kind of you to say. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And of course, it's the end of the year. It's the season when people have all kinds of mixed emotions. Some people struggle with loneliness or depression. But one thing is for sure, therapy can be a bright spot amid all the stress and change. It can really help you. Treatment does work. Of course, I'm a big fan of therapy. I've been a patient in therapy. I've preferred people. I've been participating in mental health services for many, many years and been very pleased with the services that BetterHelp provides. If you're thinking of starting therapy, you might give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. And no longer can you use stigma as an excuse. It's not like you're going to run into somebody in the waiting room or something like that. It's, it's time to take care of your brain and your body. It's a new year coming up. Let's do it. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Drew, D-R-E-W, today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Drew. You know what's interesting? It just you made me think. Uh, you know when we used to, you know, we used to talk about difficult things on the radio. And you know who had the most problematic sort of uh, feelings about it were anyone that came from England. <laughs> so, so the darkness came in, heard one phone call, and stood up and walked out. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, and it was like, wow, has that gotten better in England? Are they in Great Britain? Are they more able to talk? Well, it's not a very navel gazing. We're proud of our lack of navel gazing, but the problem with that is that that means you have no self-reflection. So there is a middle ground because if you if you think that you're not worth investigating, and there are the myriad of reasons usually do with your upbringing, your parents, uh, uh, and your your histories, and usually a history of great challenges and to some extent abuses. Everybody is is abused in some kind of way intentionally or unintentionally as a child. It just is the case. So we all meet each other as these broken, bruised individuals that are just feigning sanity the whole time. And uh, I think it's a great disservice to not um, try and understand yourself a little better. You know, it's the idea of being super English and being like the stiff rock the lip. You know, that's when you get people... Um, you know, I was lucky enough to be involved... Um, Mark Braden and the Sandy Hook Promise had this uh, Artists for Action uh. and a gun charity, um, you know, sold by Sandy Hook parents. And then uh, this guitar player, Mark Braden, lost his his, his son. Mm-hmm. And it's just um, what I liked about that charity and why I really wants to be involved as opposed to sort of this this whole thing about assault rifles, not assault rifles. Just people get lost in the, in, the, in the dialogue. It's like, how do these how are these people made? How these, it's 400, four, is it 400 now? It's 800. Because it was a number that just doubled. It's like 400 mass shootings. So it's, who are these people? It's like, what's the genesis of these these individuals? You know, when that, uh, that any shooter is six years old, is he ostracized? Is he abused? Is he alone? Yeah. Is he uh, bullied? Was, it's just, it's all about tracing it back through the communities rather than, yeah. Uh, because if a maniac's a maniac, maybe they're just going to get guns anyway. 
Yeah. No, that's right. And, and, uh, and this is another part of the, you know, we start talking about these things. It's the other part where I'm, I remain still concerned, which is we don't have enough mental health professionals. We certainly don't have enough physicians that are in mental health. We don't have enough resources. Nobody's willing to pay for these resources. There are no facilities to help these, you know, people. And that, that to me is gravely concerning. And we sort of, we sort of do that worse than any other and most other countries, I would say, you know, um, it's been, it's been, so anyway, things are better and things are, you know, is everything. It's right. you know, three steps forward, two steps back. And uh, we're still making, we're still moving in the right direction. I'd say so. And COVID, and COVID screwed everything up, you know, it just, oh my God, they paid no attention to the mental health consequences of what they were doing. And that was highly, highly predictable. And now we're dealing with it. So, but we weren't. Yeah. So it's great to be out on the road because we do, you know, I do always love the idea that any band is like, we just, we just sort of, uh, we come into town with sort of elixirs and potions and we yeah. kind of like, you know, we were shaman coming into the town and uh, it's, it's a great feeling. And weird because I never wanted to do a greatest hits. Uh, psychologically, I just didn't want to look backwards. I, I, I didn't want to stop. So I was always thinking that it was essential to keep moving and yeah. just keep, and, and and it just turned out that this was seen as op- a good opportunity to put out groceries. And it's been amazing, actually, because I didn't indulge it at all, very English of me. But then when I was on stage, I looked through the chronology of the songs of the Chosen at night, and I saw this amazingly uh, strange journey, because I've really tried to load the set with beginning songs. It's also as if my... my my um, observations, my reflections, just obviously changed, matured, weathered, uh, beaten, you know what I mean? Huh. And so it's, it, it, it's quite, um, it's a really powerful show for that. And I hadn't been expecting that. So it's been, uh, I've been enjoying it. It's only been two shows, but it's been really fun for that. And I think that it, people just, I felt like the audience have been on that journey with me, with us. It just opens with the first song they heard of us. And, and sort of ends with some of the more recent stuff so it's kind of cool like that but anyway well but as a, as a fan and, and as a consumer I, I get why there's so much enthusiasm for it because look we we many of us love love these songs right we love what you guys do we love the performing and you know parts of our life are attached to this music of course all of us have our own memories that come with it but as you opened with i mean this is a very problematic time and, and when there's when it's a difficult time people like to take a breath and look back and enjoy some of the things that we are attached to and do love and i bet you there's gonna be tremendous gratitude for you doing this and i get it as an as an artist when i keep moving forward and creating but as a consumer i'm telling you gratitude gratitude yeah i mean notice it's it I'm, I'm learning a lot i am playing the sets myself is this what you guys wanted all along <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, having this, I was like, because I was always quite proud that I always ended up playing quite a number of songs. Do you know, it's not like I went off and became super um, obtuse and super B sides. I just play some newer things and mix it up, try to mix it up a little bit. And uh, this isn't, this is just, uh, so anyway, it's a funny reflection when you've been really resolute in a, in a plan. This is a great, this is the direction. And then when you're on that path, you suddenly go, oh, shoot. You take another part. Should have taken this. Uh-huh. It's a good, you know. Shows the shows very aligned, and so it's very no formation dancing. Just here, but, 
but that how how nice though that that, that the the audience and the performers are sort of co-creating this thing. That that's kind of nice. Well, it's I think that the audience um, energy is just essential. People, I I have an, an abundance of energy when I play. I love it so much. I feel very compelled in that way. And um, people ask me specifically, ask what? Well, my why? Where's that energy? And yeah. and he, really is this beautiful cyclone that you create as if it's sort of an endless uh, pinball machine between us and the, and, and the audience. And, um, you know, it's just it's just a, a great... Being on stage is great. I like it. Yeah, I... I daytime, I, long. The long daytime is a challenge. Oh, my bad. Well, we... we... You know, we need community. We need connection. And we, we sort of, obviously, lockdowns explicitly prevented that. But we already were on our way. There was a famous book about 20 years ago called Bowling Alone, which we noticed in this country, people stopped getting into communities and, and groups and clubs. And that's very true. There's been an absolute decay in that as we sort of now, these things, I'm holding up a phone, have made things that much worse. So yeah. this is an opportunity. Now, how do you how do you recommend people um, accommodate? Like you never can. Uh, the phones are absolutely essential, really helpful. No. Many, many great things, uh, not just staring at people on TikTok. Um, but how do you? What do you recommend to people to sort of be able to incorporate a phone in your life without it being dominant? You know, this thing. I'm. I just force myself to just leave it alone. But you know. It's a natural instinct, isn't it? Yeah, and it is hard to put down. It is highly addictive. It is very sticky. Uh, it is also essential. And and you know, you as someone who's connected with an audience, you want to understand what you know what's going on out there. Um, I think the most important, you know, like everything, I, it, it's the kids I worry about more than anything. They, they really need the most help in terms of limiting their their time no because i know so my sons is what i mean and the, the way that they're drawn into it it's you know with us maybe we have a, a capacity to distance ourselves and uh you know just laugh at ourselves and how dumb we are for like oh look and now we're strolling in different tattoo designs for necks uh yeah uh, whereas with with i see with my kids there's a gravitational pull oh yeah you know you can't You've got to. I gotta. I gotta raise my voice to be heard, um, and and that that suction thing is very scary. Yeah, uh, it, it's my my friends that are psychologists that work in the field of screen screen consequences limit their kids to two hours a day, and the problem is even that's hard because of course they go to school and they're gonna use their friends' screens and have to be exposed to everything else. So. Unless you have an entire community that's doing that, it, I don't know how much that does to to limit it. Though, though they do claim they get some results, and the kids actually express some gratitude that they're not so dependent, not so pulled into it all the time. That they they do have some mastery over it, and so it gives them a sense of uh, actually feeling good about themselves. In terms of adults, you know, if it's getting, if it's inter- obviously like with anything, if it's interfering with your functioning, and I mean in any way. And if you're late to something, or you're you, you got to look at this. If it's if it's interfering with relationships, uh, sleep cycles, whatever it is, pay attention. Right. So, 
You, now you were in North Carolina today. Where where were you? Where you played one other performance other than Dora? Where where was that? We were in. We began in Orlando, and then we went to Clearwater in Florida and played last night. And uh, it was another venue. Yeah, another venue I played before, so it was a good memory. And um, uh, yeah, and, you know, it's 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 strange. Sometimes you know things a bit. It's not as heavily populated where we are. Downtown Durham is kind of quiet. I always get confused by these. I think maybe a lot of people live outside of town, things like that. Yeah. It's quite weird when I go, you asked originally about audiences post-COVID, uh, towns post-COVID, or towns generally, you know, maybe the people don't want to live here as much as they want to move to, you know, I don't know, somewhere else, um, Raleigh, you know, wherever. But it's um, interesting how that happens, much like I'm reading about in Japan. How they're just they're run, they've got all these houses they can't fill. No, um, no. quite amazing. Same thing in Tuscany, yeah. Because people talk about the population declining. Interesting, yeah. Tuscany, yeah. I have fantasies about living. In you could buy somewhere really, really cheap now. You could go. You could do this show from Tuscany. I know. Old pasta after this made it, and some Tuscan wine. Seriously, you get much cheaper than uh, Bur- where Burbank. I am in Los Angeles. I'm in Pasadena, but 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 it, yeah. I I that's why I got that that fantasy come overcomes me once in a while. Also, uh, the French countryside is another another sort of amazing idea. Amazing. I, I, I can't help but think about it because you know, when you when it, all the acrimony and all the misery and stuff was like, do you speak French? I, you speak French? I do. I do. I get. I anyway, if I had three weeks in stuck there, I'd, I'd be really good. I'd be I'd be fine. Right. Uh, and I listened. I. You know, I've gotten very preoccupied. I'm such a nut. I've gotten very preoccupied with uh, 1790 France, and so I'm listening to all these history uh, TV shows in French, like every day. I, I can't get enough of them. And, wow. uh And it's been, it's just the echoes of the past are ringing in the present so much that it just bothers me. And so I just want to try to understand the past, even though I understand it's all very What's different. What's the biggest connection you got from it? It, it was, I have to tell you, uh, so w- let me tell you the whole story. So I was, uh, I got long COVID and uh, back back to the Alpha and Delta, I had a bad bad episode. And uh, afterwards, I had this sense that if I worked on language, it would help clear my brain. So we were going to go to Greece that summer. So I said, all right, I'm going to work on Greece. And it did. My brain cleared like fast. It was really interesting. And after that, I went, well, shit, I've studied French forever. I'm going to, why can't I speak that damn language? I'm going to get that down finally. And so as I got into it, I started thinking, oh, now I see why I don't speak it. They don't teach you how to speak it. It's an entirely different language spoken in France than uh, than the books or than, you know, than freaking Racine's plays. Um, but, uh, so I got very, very involved in that, just kept going, kept going. And at the time, before a few years ago, I wanted to write a chapter in a book about how pre-revolutionary France and the trauma to the children and the, just, you know, there was so much going on then that people have glossed over that felt familiar to me to think the 1970s in this country, particularly. And, uh, so I've had my eye on it for a while. And uh, so when, you know, when I started studying more French, I just kind of zeroed in on that because I, 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 you know, I didn't know that history all that well. And I'm still trying to understand more. I, you know, I got very preoccupied with mobs and mob behavior. That, that's, I think, really what the, the why I'm, the focus is there now is that we, we have so many mobs online. We have so many people, you know, canceling, you know, within these mob actions and what, what yeah. mobs do. 
and no better example of mob behavior than, uh, you know, 1790 France. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with a skilled art forger who made millions selling his fakes. I was a storehouse of knowledge of how to create an illusion, present it to a experienced expert, and bring him to the inevitable conclusion that the painting is genuine. We flooded the market with my paintings, and eventually the FBI were led to my door. They uncovered a mountain of evidence against me. But they never actually got you. Why did it go away? Why did you never get indicted? How are we having this conversation? (laughs) I guess that's the greatest story of all. To hear details of how Ken Perenni evaded the scrutiny of everyone from the mafia to the FBI and lived to tell the tale, check out episode 282 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. And it's, you know, I feel like we're like back to what you were saying at the beginning that, you know, people want kindness. They don't want this mob action. They want connection in ways that's real. Well, they want, it's interesting. Nietzsche was saying, obviously, they want individually want kindness. Unfortunately, collectively, it gets more mob like. That's when the insanity becomes in, in the mob. Yes, 100%. Uh, and, and what did Nietzsche say exactly? Do you remember the quote? Because I'm. Uh, the quote is just, just paraphrasing the idea that the man is not a single person. Yeah. It's within it's a mob. Yeah, and uh, a guy named LeBall wrote a book about it, and there's another book called Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds, and, and the, these things have been observed. Right. Whatever reason, people were very dismissive of the fact that moms really... Is it because you're high, because people can be anonymous? Yeah. People don't have to be so accountable when it's one-on-one. You have to be accountable since you stand there. When you're just... Well, that's one of the dangers. That's been ever since... Ever since there was sort of a comments or review section people could be in, and yeah. obviously by social media is the or anti-social media yeah. it's just the anonymity and the idea that you could be attacked by you know um a person x in columbus right. just, you know and it's, so um to it's, weird, some, right? it's weird it's unfortunate yeah it's it just is it you know it's so funny because you know it's so hard isn't it um everybody wants to please everybody and when you do something, if somebody's opinion eagerly goes against you or doesn't like what you do, it's really hard for our egos to take you. You want to challenge them in the most kind way. Maybe put your case forward. You know, yeah. Me being in bad is the most ridiculous idea. It's people are like, I, I fucking love you, boy. I hate you, you know. <laughs> everything you do. And there's nothing you can really do. They, they sort of like made their mind up yeah. already. And uh, I suppose as you get older, you sort of you release the, the need to try to convince everyone you're great. I just remember as being young, you know, was the definition was sort of uh, if you had opposed someone in an argument, uh, it'd be just like debate, argue, you know, try and get, try and convince them in order to bring around to your opinion. And then when you get older, you go, I'm so happy you've got your opinion. <laughs> you go and get what you want it. Like, why do you need to convert this person, this stranger? You know, yeah, hurt people, but you can't help it uh, when you're young. You know. Yeah, yeah, and, and negativity certainly we're wired up to to notice that more than positivity. But the weirdest thing in the world to me is to I look at some of the things people say and I go, "What 
you had to sit down at a keyboard to say that. What what motivates you to say that to somebody? I can't can't even believe you said that. But okay. And then and then the mob is it's a way of taking aggression and gratifying it, you know, because you're part of the mob. It's not you personally, it's you're part of something you can gratify that aggression. I mean, what about that mob that they there was a mob January sixth? They felt really confident. They, yeah. They're confident in their madness. And then yeah. individually when they're picked apart and you know, I mean I know people were very upset. I'm like a liberal, so I can't believe how long some of these people got. I know, it, I don't know. I'm just too soft. I would not be a good dormant because I'd be like, come in. And, you know what I mean? I, I'm not that mad at people. So um, it's about some people. But it was, just, it was just that brazen confidence of the mob. Yeah. And then up to, you know, now they are that crazy kid on guy who looks very different without his. You know, <laughs> well, on. That is it's really on way more vulnerable. Yeah. Didn't mean to be that. You know, everyone's apologizing. I don't know what I was thinking. You know? yeah. That was the perfect example of mod versus in the mob versus individual. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I and, there, and there's altogether too many of these examples now. And and the the problem is our, our personality constructs have sort of moved in a direction where unregulated rage unregulated aggression is is uh, rife <laughs> and so and that that's what sets up the opportunity for mob and then who whoever predicted the public square would be on social media you know that, that we instead of right. you know, outside of notre dame no it's it's a hundred million people on, the, on twitter x it's right. such a it's just a wild thing and we have to kind of learn how to, to manage all this because it's uh it's great, great potential to do good and great potential to do harm, like every step. Well, the funny thing about it is, is that what I wrestle with, rightly or wrongly, is my need or no need to engage in it. And again, it goes back to what I was saying about these opinions, that there is a funny thing that everybody is just absolutely intent all the time on making sure that everybody is their opinion. Yeah. Because their opinion really matters. Yeah. And is it is the most beautiful arrogance, blind arrogance? <laughs> yes, it is. It was like a lion. <laughs> I mean, it is nice sometimes. People, you know, I, we do interviews. You interview people. I uh, I get interviewed, and so obviously it's good to answer questions uh, because you're being specifically asked, and it, people listen to it or not. But it is amazing, isn't it? When it strikes me, it's just people that take the bother to take all the time and write all those reviews. It's sort of you know, extensive Yelp reviews. People that yeah. have that. I'm in their life. I don't think I don't know anyone socially. I I could hazard a guess that I've never hung out with anyone who's left a Yelp review. That's <laughs> the South Park did a whole episode about. I don't know what that means, but yeah. I believe that I don't because it wouldn't be my people because I no. wouldn't leave a Yelp review. No, I wouldn't either. I'm against it, it's just I don't. I can't connect to it. And if you said to me, one of my like best mates was a really big on Yelp. I'd be really surprised. <laughs> I went off on Twitter the other night by because I was trying to I was trying to hold my aggression so I didn't express it to the staff. It wasn't at fault. It was the organ it was the management, frankly. And I just, I couldn't help myself. It just boom, boom off I went on Twitter at three in the morning. People coming at you. Yeah. You got to fight with people. It's so it's so hilarious. You know, fight quick. It's just I'm not proud of myself sometimes, and uh, sometimes isn't that good? Sometimes it's like a cheat day. Sometimes you got to indulge, need the ice. Sometimes you've got to be a kid and answer back. You know, I love that. Ricky Gervais is the king of that. You know, it's like humanity show he talks about. You know, and I know I shouldn't respond, 
But anyway, then I go, and he gets an old Twitter war, or now the X war. But uh, uh, I think that it's really good to do, um, it's, it's impossible to avoid doing dumb things sometimes every now and again. Yeah, yeah. And it feels good to do a dumb thing. I do that sometimes. You know, I rattle off. I mean, you know, I, I try to never send angry emails. Never send angry texts, angry emails. It's never a good idea. And then every now, every now and again, they get me, and I send it, and then I'm flooded with regret, like, you know, English regret, like about 15 yeah. minutes later. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so anyway, a little context here, you know. I the same exact thing, and I, that's absolutely a great rule to live by. Just don't don't send something when you're angry. Wait till you're not. Yeah, yeah, no, no. You know, I just, just, wait, I I I have to wait. I get very upset, and it, you know, there's the other thing, the whole Buddhist concept of like, why would you let it bother you? You know, why would you invite? Why would you allow that? You could easily step outside of the situation, observe it, and see the the thrust where the weakness is. I mean, you don't have to take it on. Sometimes I guess you know. The weaker part of me um, will take over and sort of do my emotions you know, and respond. It's like in a boxing ring, you know, in a boxing uh, match, you know, the worst thing you can do, thing you could ever do is be emotional, get angry. Yeah. The worst thing, you lose all sense of preparation, timing, speed. You just, it's all frenzy. And so that's no good for dispensing someone. I tell you where I have kind of arrived with some of this stuff is that is that I I, I categorically defend everybody's freedom to give their opinions, no matter how. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, opinions are great. It's just I don't I don't want them all at me at one time. But <laughs> you, know, you have to. I mean, I never I've never. I'm from London. There's this thing as censorship, so I don't mean that at all. And I, you know, we have a great tradition actually, and um. Hyde Park, where I grew up, Marblage, there'd always be um, great speakers. There still are, you know, wonderful uh, political rallies uh, of, of all persuasions, religions, anyone with a literally recording a soapbox. So you stand with the soapbox out, yeah. and they stand up on it, and they, you know, the better the speaker, the uh, greater the crowd. Uh, it's really anyone going to London, or it's usually on the weekends. It's a really good, I mean, yeah, it's probably very active right now. So they don't do so much of the canceling that, that we do with that. Because here, if you say something, a little out of line, oh boy. Well, the thing is, is they're not necessarily unknown people. They're just like uh, orators, people that want to express an opinion. And they stand there and they, they have great hecklers. It's sort of like, it's like a, it's like a chess, intellectual chess club, but of, of political ideologies uh, geopolitics, you know what I mean? I'm, it, it just it can be anyone, um, but you got to be good to command the crowd and to not have the hecklers destroy you. So, yeah, that's a lot about the free speech. So, oh my God, free speech is everything. And, and, I, and I'm guessing that back and forth in, in Hyde Park is is civil, even when the hecklers are being aggressive. Because I think I think we've lost our civility over here a little bit, and so we can't have those discourse. And I, I miss it. Well, the problem is, is that, you know, you do see that what happens is that um, uh, people get um, pretty emotional. So what starts out as an interesting debate, two opposing views that could find some middle ground, tends to deteriorate into an emotional uh, uh, uprising and a conflict. And you see it, you know, we've seen it um, with those, uh, I mean, I'm just thinking of the, sort of the, the kidnap posters across America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, people removing them and then the, 
the, the, the guy in New York, we saw the, the construction worker defending the right to freedom. You know, that's freedom of speech. And yeah. you just like, oh my gosh, what a terrible well, point. But, yeah, but, but here we start with emotion these days. And so there's nowhere to go, you know, that's yeah. they, yeah. kind of a weakness. Uh, that, there's an interesting point I did hear the other day that's being made um, around a lot, which is the things that moved so far left that no, any opinion that isn't extremely left is seen as uh, right wing, yeah. Which you take a sort of, which is really unfair because there's there's a lot of room, like you you uh, mentioned earlier. There's a lot of meeting ground, middle ground. There's a whole load of if you take the center and loads left, all yeah. that space seems fertile, ready for sort of logic and most people, most <laughs> yeah. people too, right? And and it's it you you know you said you're a, a liberal and I thought uh oh these days that that might be right. See so literally when you said that I literally thought to myself well so am I but uh, people will let you be. Oh, I mean, Bill Lamar, you know. Oh yeah, I mean I mean liberally minded, freedom based. Yeah, me too. Me too. Mm-hmm. I, you know, each of their own. Yeah. Uh, consenting adults of adult age. Yeah. End of story. Um, I was um, deeply saddened by the poor mayor in um, Alabama. Who was um, oh yeah exposed for having a, a private indulgence um, at his home, and you know people couldn't help but um, but just get him for that, you know, and uh, and unfortunately it would have been such an, an incredible opportunity for 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 it to be seen as to not take someone out. But unfortunately, it takes his life, you know. And so it's like, yeah, you know, cool. he, if he, he had a wife and a, and, a, and a family, a community. And so if they'd found a way through that, it sort of could have been quite incredible. But my gosh, that was just, you know, n- that's that's not a reason to end your life. No, I, yeah, that one bothered me. Yeah, there's a moment of, of delicate explanation, all right, a couple of days of, of heat, of like intrigue. Um, I mean, I thought it was amazing you know, at the George Michael when he, um, yeah. at his issues, he was forthright, went on TV chat shows and completely um, sort of negated the whole, negated yeah. it to an extent. Yeah. He still did have a massive career and deservedly so. So it was the shame. I mean, I'm just saying that in terms of what we're talking about, people's reactions and people's yeah. opinions. That was, that was rough. I'm Walter Masterson. And I'm Maximilian Clark. And we're basically journalists. No, no we're not. Well, we do travel across America and interview people. Yeah, using God to solve murders, and it's, it's proven communication. Tell me, wait, tell me everything about that. But we also dress up like extremists and sneak into their protests. I care about children. That is why I pay my court-mandated child support. Well, that's undercover journalism. Okay, and that time we pretended to be Trump's legal team during the indictment? Trump loves America. He's, he considers us all family. That's why he's always asking us for money. Okay, so we are not journalists. We're TikTok comedians asking questions real journalists are too smart to ask. But we also talk to real experts and scientists and smart people and stuff and make fun of them. Yeah, I guess that's why we named our show We Are Not Journalists. Because we're better we have a podcast. A podcast that's available on whatever podcast app you use to get your podcasts. Podcast. Podcast.
Yeah, uh, why somebody's private interpersonal behavior is anybody's business to me is, and then you you you've got to sort of tune in to how much shame that guy was carrying around for no reason, no reason. That that to me is, I, you know, shame and guilt are interesting emotions to me because oftentimes they're just they're not useful, and they're and they're well, no, it's just like shame and shame that goes almost goes with jealousy, right? Because shame is this is this fear of 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 being shame is a i mean you tell me you're the psychiatrist but it would be a sort of a um an indoctrination of the of, of a, you know interpreting something that you're not worthy yeah worthy of love unloved right. something wrong unloved, with me. yeah, yeah and, and, and you know it's unresolved so it's not like you go here's your certificate that you need to have shame in life because you really yeah. are lovable it's just that in, people interpret the uh, lack of love or lack of um, a positive affirmation, yeah. so it creates a shame. I, I suppose. Yeah. So yeah. Well, it's, and it's it's bad. you know it's not guilt, which is I did something bad. It's shame. I am bad, and but right. it's a very depleting you know emotion for people. Yeah, I, I shame and envy. Those are those feelings are alive and well these days, and they are just very destructive. They, yeah, because jealousy is jealousy envy because that's such a negative emotions one of those emotions that there's literally nothing positive from it because most emotions have a flip side that's quite good right well, well, not, yeah uh, well it just, i like i like to distinguish between jealous and envy in the sense that jealousy is ooh, gavin's got a big career that makes me uncomfortable i'm gonna go do that too i'm gonna go try to be like him that you can be jealous and then be positive turn it positively into into action Envious, envy is that's a very generous envy envy's got some envy is gavin's got something i don't have i have to destroy him and and uh, that's when you get negative stuff on social media it's mostly envy i'm sure right yeah it's awful bad emotion depleted yeah whatever i feel i i feel that sometimes jealousy is deep insecurity it's usually in in in, in matters of the heart and mm. So it's not like I mean I suppose I could focus on someone who had a four hundred foot. I mean Leo's social life or something like that. He seems to have really <laughs> a great party list. You, know, you could be jealous of why don't I have Leo's invite list? <laughs> um, but I wouldn't wish him any malice. That's what right. Saying. That's right. And you <laughs> and you let that jealousy motivate you to go get that list. <laughs> and please do keep my name handy when you do. <laughs> Just even. Plus one, as it works. If the motivation works, you can be like plus one. You Thank wingman. You. Thank you. Uh, we'll yeah, nothing, but it's it usually, isn't it, to do with like jealousy of of just insecurity of, you know, I mean, with the sense of abandonment, you know, people from women yeah. at home have a sense of abandonment. Oh, yeah. Jealousy of somebody talking to someone. If I was jealous of any girl in my life talking to someone, I'd be jealous because I'd be, it would touch and challenge me. Oh, they might talk to them and just disappear. Like yeah. everyone you know, that could happen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Gavin, listen, it's been great hanging with you. I, I get to wrap things up here. I could, I could, we could sit and chat all day. Uh, I'm glad your family is well. I'm glad the tour is going well. How long are you out on the road for? Until December the 9th. So it doesn't matter where I'm doing. I'm just on stage, and then I'll be at home for Christmas with my boys. Well, enjoy it, and uh, thank you for doing it. Again, as as a fan, of the, the, I feel the gratitude that I know must be coming your way. 
and uh, get the greatest hits album while you're at it, everybody. And uh, look for Kevin and Bush coming near you. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, great to you. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy our season's greetings category with nine holiday channels, including holiday movie favorites by Lifetime, Festive Fireplace, Holiday Lights, and Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never.